to the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. In this August 2013 episode of the podcast, we're going to focus on the 101 best websites for tracing your family history. And we've got not only websites for you, but best practices for getting the most out of them. But first, we will start over at the Genealogy Insider blog, where managing editor Diane Haddad has been blogging about the return of Who Do You Think You Are to American television. Then we're going to jump right into our top tips segment, and we'll combine that with our 101 Best Website segment, so we'll have plenty of time to talk to the author of the list, David Frixell, and find out what some of his personal favorite websites are. Then in the Family Tree University Crash Course segment, Family Tree Magazine online editor Tyler Moss will be here, and he's going to give us some ancestry search tips from the BecomeAnAncestry.com Power User class at Family Tree University. And finally, we'll check into the publisher's desk with Allison Dolan, publisher of Family Tree Magazine, who will tell us all about the upcoming fall virtual conference. There's a lot to cover, so let's get to it. Our first stop is the Genealogy News with Diane Haddad. Well, we are ready to kick off this August 2013 episode, and we're going to do that with the news from the blogosphere. Here to give us the scoop is the Genealogy Insider blogger, Diane Haddad. Hi, Diane. Hi, Lisa. Well, of course, it's summer 2013, and the big genealogical news everybody's buzzing about is the fact that Who Do You Think You Are has returned to television. And I saw that you were blogging about it. Give us your impressions. What do you think now that it's uh, moved to the TLC channel here in the U.S.? Well, so the, the shows that I've seen so far have been um, really enjoyable and interesting. It seems like the um, producers are making an effort to kind of trace fewer people. Mm-hmm. Um each show has concentrated really on one person and one family. So rather than get, you know, a big drawn, you know, family tree going back hundreds of years, as, you know, we've seen in some of the shows in the past, you kind of see each step in the process as the um, the celebrity guest is kind of taken through each step. Right. It gives the the story itself a little more concentration, but also, like you say, the, the process, the records involved. Mm-hmm. And I know our, the first episode that came out, of course, was Kelly Clarkson doing her Civil War research. And you did a great blog post. Um, it's called You Don't Have to Be Kelly Clarkson to Research Your Civil War Ancestors. Right. That's one of the most frequent comments we hear is that, oh, gee, um, you know, it would be great to have someone come along and say, oh, let me show you your family history. Exactly. And, of course, you know, that can't happen for all of us. And <laughs> you kind of need the big name celebrity in order to draw a, you know, substantial enough viewing audience, but you don't have to have experts at your disposal and, you know, all kinds of financial resources in order to trace, especially a Civil War ancestor. Those records are pretty readily available. Yeah, exactly. And in your blog post, you gave quite a few specific examples about places where people could go for Civil War records. Give us an idea what were some of the places that you would turn to first. Well, first, the Internet. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I was thinking as she was going from place to place, it's really cool to see those places and see the original records. But she could have done a lot of that just staying in her living room. Yeah. Um, a lot of those records are on sites like Ancestry.com and Fold3 and um, 
that, you know, for a battle report, you would just search the internet, the name of the battle and battle report, and you would get all kinds of information about that battle. There are so many people out there who are really into Civil War history that, you know, there's people are just putting tons of information online. Yeah, it's a big advantage because even though they're not genealogists, <laughs> we're all working with the same information. So that's pretty cool. And I know that uh, the next episode we just had was Christina Applegate. Yes. And your blog post, Who Do You Think You Are? Tips to Find the Genealogy Records Christina Applegate Used. Now, her story wasn't very far back at all, was it? Right. It was um, more modern. It, it was 30s, 40s, and 50s. She was tracing a great-grandmother starting from pretty, or I'm sorry, a grandmother starting from pretty much nothing, just her father's birth certificate, and he didn't even know very much about his mother at all. And some of the memories that he had um, of his grandmother telling him about her were very vague, and it turned out at the end that they were, um, some of them were, he was off, you know, Mm -hmm. how old he was when he learned his mother died. So it was kind of a sad story, but it tied up really nicely when um, he discovered that his mother had purchased a plot for him right right next to her in the cemetery. So she wanted to be with him. It's making me terrible right now just thinking about it. Well, (laughs) and it was a great example of um, the fact that how quickly memory can be lost. The history Mm -hmm. can be lost. And we're talking just a generation and right. also, I thought it was really fascinating that um, sometimes even a person who was there, you know, being an eyewitness account, the eyewitness account is not always that reliable, that, that we really right. do need to go back to actual records and, and it all works together, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it showed the power of genealogy and how how it can make you feel more whole again Mm -hmm. when you learn that kind of information about your family that you didn't know before. Exactly. And of course, tapping into the newest census that was available, the 1940 census. Mm -hmm. And um, I love, again, in this blog post, you've got links we can just click right through, kind of follow along with the episode and also do some of our own research as well. Yes, you too. um, (laughs) We can't do that. Yeah, exactly. And in uh, my Genealogy Gems podcast, just released episode 158, I've got the executive producer for the show, Who Do You Think You Are? Um, this Allie Orton. Uh-huh. And we have a whole half hour interview with her that you can listen to, giving some of the behind the scenes. You know, what's it like on the researcher end to do so much of the work that you then see come together as a, a really incredible story on the screen. Now, that would be fascinating. I'm going to go listen to that right now. Well, there you go. <laughs> and I, I, I think what was so neat about her was she really drove home that the, the importance of the power of story and our mm-hmm. ability as a genealogist to not just do the research, but to actually, in a very compelling way, be able to convey the story to everybody, not just other genealogists. No, I think that's really the hard part, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, wonderful. We will look forward to talking to you again, and we will all keep our eyes on Who Do You Think You Are on uh, the TLC channel. Uh, It's wonderful to have it back on the air, and of course, always wonderful to talk to you. Thanks, Diane. Thank you. We're 
going to combine the top tips segment together with the 101 best websites for tracing your roots segment because our topic is indeed the brand new 101 best websites list for 2013. And here to share some of those great sites is the author of that list that appears in the September 2013 issue of the magazine, David Frixell. Hi, David. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. We're always excited when the 101 best websites list comes out. And I know every year you kind of take a little different uh, approach, maybe a theme to your list. What is your theme this year? Well, this year, uh, and maybe this seems obvious, but this year the theme is what's new. But I don't mean just, uh, you know, the, obviously every year we'd go through and look and see what's new. But this year we really tried to focus on new. So a site was more likely to make it in if they had something new. Part of it's just, you know, we're so spoiled now is that, oh, yeah, you've got 100,000 records, blah, blah, blah. You know, we really want, we're, it's like, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> so that, that was kind of the theme is, what have you done for me lately? And also with an emphasis on some of the uh, the brand new sites to the list. So maybe we're looking at sites that are brand new, as you said, and then some sites that have really brand new features, perhaps? Exactly. So, for example, as usual, a lot of the sites have to do with uh, some sort of geographic aspect, um, either in the U.S., uh, you know, slices of the country, and we always sort of try to group them differently, um, or internationally. So, you know, we found there's a new site called Alabama Mosaic um, that I like, of course, because I have Alabama ancestors, um, but it's a really cool site with, you can find old receipts and letters, um, Alabama football teams, you know, Roll Tide. Um, and so forth. Uh, if you have Texas ancestors, there's a new site called Portal to Texas History um, that has 3.2 million files of newspapers, college yearbooks, um, all that sort of stuff from the University of North Texas. Um, if your ancestors are uh, elsewhere, um, in kind of the middle of the country, Arkansas and surrounding states, there's a new site called My Genealogy Hound, um, which has biographies and uh, old history books and old maps. Uh, then we also looked at some sites that, uh, in that same sort of type of thing, where we've had the Newbury Library, for example, um, in Chicago before. It has this really cool atlas of historical co county boundaries, but we also noted that there, new there is the Chicago Foreign Language Press Survey, which is translations of about 50,000 newspaper articles from the 1860s to the 1920s from 22 ethnic newspapers. Um, and they also have the Chicago Genealogist now, full-text searchable. So although that was that had been on there before really for the Atlas of the Historical County Boundaries, um, now it's got more, so we kind of had to rework how we you know deal with that. I think all of those sites are really a great example of the fact that while there are always the big players out there, the ancestries and my heritage and find my past and all of those, um, really there's nothing like the local folks who know their records, who have really special and unique collections. And so not all of these collections land in a big website. They really can be found on these more local sites. That's true. And, of course, we also did look at what's new on some of those big websites you mentioned, and probably the star there really is Family Search, which, frankly, I have a hard time even keeping up with. <laughs> it used to be, you know, for it, when it was a big deal when it first came out, 
And then it kind of stagnated, frankly. Mm-hmm. You know, they they had you could get the International Genealogical Index and a few things, but you know, once you'd kind of been there, done that. But now, all the time, they're putting up new uh, databases, images, uh, census things. Plus, they have the, the their whole new family tree feature. And you can do photos, and I mean, it's it's just like I mean, if you haven't visited in you know a couple of years, it's like a whole new site and of course it looks completely different too so naturally they made it in not just because it's you know an essential site but also because uh it's so new yeah and even if you're an experienced researcher and you head to that site and you see that the the interface is helping the newbie get involved as well don't worry because all that richness and more like you said is back there behind the scenes and they're just adding more and more. And then we've got sort of what you might think of as spin-off sites. So, for example, Ancestor has launched this site called newspapers.com. And there are a lot of sites where there are newspapers. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ancestry has sites. But they say most of these don't duplicate. So they, they've got 36-some million pages um, from more than 900 U.S. newspapers. And if you're already an Ancestry or full three subscriber, you get it at a discount. So even though it's a subscription site, it's not too bad. And, you know, again, as you know, the newspapers can be such a valuable uh, resource for finding, you know, obituaries and other less obvious things like, you know, where your ancestor worked and, you know, maybe if they were in a crime or something like that. Yeah. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff there. And, you know, now, I mean, 36 million pages, good heavens. Wow, that's a lot. Now, as you're going through these, and, and of course, new stuff is coming across your desk all the time, was there a website or two that really grabbed you on a personal level in terms of your research? Well, of course, I confess that Alabama site. You know, yeah. Because I've got those, I've got those Alabama ancestors. Um, and then it's not a new site to the, uh, to the list, but Fold 3, which has really, in recent years, remade itself as a military records um site. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now almost 400 million records, um, and I've used it to find you know, the sort of service records for my Civil War ancestors that before you had to write away for. And, you know, you wait, and then you hope you pick the found the right ones, and, you know, the National Archive sends it to you. Um, but now, boom, you know, I like instant gratification. And so, you know, there are these actual records just, you know, right there. Yeah. That uh, I mean, that's that's pretty amazing, um, and you can see them. I had one ancestor who was uh, like sort of like a clerk at a um, hospital during a part of the war. I think after he was hurt, and so he signed everything, of course, that came through. So there's just like you know a hundred pages of stuff that he signed. Every wow. you know, invoice, you know, oh. <laughs> delivered things. That's all there. So you do have to sort through to you know the the chaff to get at the wheat here, but still, it's a pretty remarkable uh, uh, site that, you know, keeps growing. They say one to two, three million new records every month. So talk about new, um, you know, that's, there's a lot of them there. Exactly. And I know I was just talking about it on my uh, Genealogy Gems blog that Fold3 is now coordinating with Ancestry to be able to allow you to get those records into your tree. So that's really cool. Not only can you access them, but you can actually make that leap right over into your Ancestry tree. And you see all those cool little hints in the ancestry tree, and boy, I mean, that's a way to you know, like blow an afternoon. <laughs> you know, you're checking out each one of those. And, 
Oh, look, there's another hand. Oh, there's another hand. And, you know, mm-hmm, uh, boom, it just uh, you know, kind of never ends. You get sort of sucked into it there. I guess another one um, that, again, keeps growing among the – we haven't talked about foreign sites, but there's uh, the Norwegian National Archives. It's, the site is called Digital Archivet. Um, but because my wife is half Norwegian and I keep promising her that I will do uh, more research on her side of the family, that has kept growing. They've added additional censuses and they've started to add a lot more digitized church records. And those are really the most important tool for any Scandinavian um, research. So I'm thinking back my mind, I'm going to have to spend some time there. And amazingly, that, uh, that one is free. Mm-hmm. So uh, you get an enormous amount of information there, um, really, again, at your fingertips, that before you would have had to schlep to your family history center for probably. Um, right. Get, you know, go through the microfilm. And uh, more and more of these things are searchable, so you're saving not only microfilm scrolling, but, you know, your online uh, scrolling. So that's a real time saver. Well, and you're talking about having uh, information at your fingertips, of course, then we think mobile. And I know in this list, you're really kind of calling out which of these sites are going mobile, which have apps. Talk a little bit about that. Well, it's, you know, great fun. I, I, I have iPad and iPhone and, you know, all these gizmos. And when the folks at Family Tree Magazine suggested, you know, do a box about the ones that have apps that go with them. I thought, okay, that shouldn't be hard. There are probably two or three, maybe four. It's a long list. Yeah. Um, I mean, literally it goes from Ancestry to WorldCat. So, uh, but you can do things, you know, interact with your, your files, like on um, Ancestry, for example, um, share photos on Flickr, find a grave. It even has an Android app where you can search or add uh, grave info, um, my Heritage, which is another example, one that's really expanded. Um, you can view and edit trees or search records. There are even some new apps and new sites. There's one called What Was There, and their app detects your location, and then it's a historic photo site. It's sort of like what did it used to look like. Mm-hmm. And the iPhone app detects your location and displays any historic photos there. So you could be, you know, driving along through, you know, the boroughs of New York City or something, and, oh, boom, here's some, you know, historic photos of what it used to look like. So it's like almost like just stepping back in the past, you know, through your iPhone. Yeah, I really see that as being kind of a wave of the future in, in all respects, not even just in genealogy, just that the iPhone's going to know where you are and be able to push content and information to you. And you talked about, you know, my heritage, which you're right, has expanded quite a bit. And of course, a new one on the scene is the Roots Magic app. Oh, yeah. And I mean, not being a Roots Magic user, I haven't spent much time with it. But the ability to just do that with the app that, you know, ties into your genealogy program is pretty awesome. I use Reunion for the Mac, and I can view the whole thing on my iPhone or my iPad. Oh, right. So I'll be. Uh, we were up visiting, you know, cousin I hadn't seen in a long time, and got talking about the family, and it's like, oh wait a minute, I'll check, and I'll pull out the phone, and boom, 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 you know, here it is. On Ancestry, you know, to get back to the websites, you if you have your tree on Ancestry, you can show it all on the iPad and show the records that are, that you have attached to it. So those are you know right there at your fingertips. So if they don't believe you that. You know, great-great-uncle Harvey said he came from, you know, uh, Belgium. There's the census record right there. 
Exactly. Well, finally, I'm interested to know if somebody is, uh, well, you know, we're all limited for time and they're leafing through your list. Is there one that you think, uh, whether it's in a website or an app or whatever, um, what, what is new in that list that you feel like is a must see? You know, if you've only got five minutes to spend on the list, be sure you grab that one and go to the site and check it out. Well, of course, it kind of depends on your, um, you know, on your interests. Yeah. Um, but I mentioned that, that what was their uh, site. And almost whatever your interests are, that's a funnel. It's both the site and an app. And it combines Google Maps with old photos. And you can submit to it, too. And you tag them by location and year. And the, the goal is, quote, weave together a photographic history of the world. And that's a pretty uh, big goal. Yeah. But to think, here's a way where users everywhere, you know, look up your hometown, look up your ancestors' hometown. Maybe even your ancestors' old home is, you know, pictured there. It's brand new to the uh, the list, and so I assume that means it's going to be, you know, adding a lot of photos as time goes on, so it'll get better and better. All these things start off as, you know, g- big ideas, and then it takes some time before the data necessarily catches up to it, but it's very cool looking, it's easy to use, and I say it comes with an app so you can, uh, as you're traveling around, go click and, uh, you know, see what was there or take it along as you visit your ancestor's hometown. Um, and it's like those side-by-side books, Then and Now. Well, this yeah. is one that's in an app uh, and a website that you can take with you. Well, and when you talk about what's new, what's new is really happening every day, isn't it? Um, you know, certainly a tip I would give folks, whether you're using your smartphone or your tablet, uh, iPad, whatever mobile device you have, is go back in and check in that um, in your apps for updates. Because you're absolutely right, you know, David, that when the apps first come out, they're certainly not as robust as, let's say, software programs are, or even websites. But oftentimes, they have very specific functionality. And then based on user input, they continue to work out the bugs and add more features. So I'm always amazed how every day I can open up a a mobile device. And sure enough, one of my favorite apps has an update. So you never know what's new right around the corner. Exactly. I was keeping up to date. And really, the same is true of these, of even our 101 best websites, is that the good ones and you know, the ones we keep putting back on the list are always growing. So mm-hmm. if you had checked, you know, let's say, Find My Past, um, one of the uh, subscription sites that's been on there a lot, um, if you checked that in the past and, you know, come up empty with your English ancestors or your Welsh ancestors, um, you go back and try again. They've added Welsh parish records, English, Scottish, Welsh, and Irish newspapers, a whole bunch of other things. So they keep adding things. Suddenly, that thing that was such a terrible brick wall, you go back, you run the same search maybe even that you ran, you know, two years ago, um, and we're so disappointed at it. And now suddenly, boom, there's all the answers that you know, we're looking for. So, That's what we love. Uh, they, they keep growing and expanding. And, uh, boy, lucky lucky us lazy genealogists who, you know, like sitting at home in our PJs doing instead of, <laughs> Slopping down the library, the family history center. Exactly. And at least when we make those trips, we know that we can really focus on the hard to find stuff because so much is already available to us at home. We can really make the most use of our time. Wow. If you really want to know what's new, this is the list to check out. It's the 101 best websites for tracing your family history. It's the new list featuring what's new appears in the September 2013 issue of the magazine. And David, thank you so much for this uh, great little sneak peek. Love it. And I always enjoy your list. Thanks. 
Well, as you know, in this episode, we're checking out all the great websites that are out there and focusing on our 101 best websites for tracing your roots list. And of course, one of the websites that uh, continually comes up at the top of the list is Ancestry. But getting the most out of Ancestry is not always as straightforward or obvious as it might seem. And so I want to bring Tyler Moss back to the show to talk to us about the Ancestry.com class at Family Tree University. Hi, Tyler. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. You know, Ancestry is that go-to website that so many of us uh, who do our genealogy research, we rely on so heavily. Um, it continues to evolve, and I know there have been some updates in the search mechanism and that type of thing. At FTU, you have um, a class that what can really make us kind of a power user with Ancestry.com? That's exactly it. Yes, it's called Become an Ancestry.com Power oh, well, User. It's actually <laughs> the name of the course. Um, you know, we, we like to say over here that Ancestry.com is kind of like a KitchenAid mixer. You know, it, I mean, it has the capacity to do all these really cool things like make pasta or grind meat or <laughs> juice a grapefruit or something. But mo- mostly you just use it to beat cake batter. Yeah. But um, really, there's all these cool functionalities that people aren't normally aware of. You know, most people just do very basic searches, but there's these interesting collections and databases available for browsing and advanced search features. So basically, this class is just all about enlightening people to kind of those aspects they may not be as familiar with. Yeah, well, that's a great analogy. And in fact, I have one of those mixers. And no, I don't know how to do half those things. (laughs) I imagine um, genealogists, like you say, kind of feel the same way sometimes about ancestry. Can you give us some examples, things that we can start using right away to give, give us kind of a taste of what we'd be learning in this class? Well, the lessons cover everything from search strategies to online records and databases to um, online family trees. But what I'd like to share with you um, is just some kind of basic search tips uh, that people can put to use right now, just as a little bit of a a taste of what's in the course. So, um, you know, it's best off when you're just beginning to start with a basic search for a broad view of potential matches and kind of narrow down from there. You know, from there you want to refine to advanced search, and you can do things like limit dates and collections and add additional data to parse down what you already have. But even more so, you can do things like try exact search while altering the defaults to broaden the scope of what exact really really means, as well as use wildcards to find alternate spellings. And for those who aren't really familiar with wildcards, it's when you put in a, a question mark into, you know... Um, a surname that has multiple or multiple spellings, so that way you can kind of cover any different transcriptions and, and different record types. So the question mark would really be in place of those letters that maybe we're not so sure of that might deviate between various um, transcriptions. Exactly, exactly, yes. Thank you for the clarification. Um, we also recommend in this course, you know, looking at collateral relatives, as well as using category filters to narrow your results. Or even just searching within one category or title at a time, so you kind of can eliminate each each category as you go. I think that's a great tip because you don't always need the whole collection, the whole database, if you will. You really might just be saying, hey, this is more likely to show up in newspapers than anywhere else. Let's focus there. So we can actually select that from the various search criteria. So hopefully that means we're getting a lot fewer results. We can really focus on the top ones. Exactly, and that's the goal. And finally, we also recommend just correcting any wrong information you stumble across, just kind of being a good citizen, because you never know, you know, hopefully it'll come back to you and someone else will correct something that will help your research down the line. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, great. Um, how often does the course go? How long is it? Uh, how do people find out more about it? The course is four weeks long, and it runs um, about once every month. And you can find out more about it at FamilyTreeUniversity.com slash become an ancestry com power user. And that's with hyphens. But you can also just find it on the all, you know, all courses page, which is linked to at the Family Tree University homepage. Perfect. And we'll, of course, have a link in the show notes to get you there directly as well. So to get you started, you're going to start putting those wild cards in there to substitute some of those letters that you might not be so sure of. Checking that exact search box the to narrow things down to say, hey, this is, has to be exactly this way in order to make it into the results. Kind of narrows things down. And then focusing on collections, not always taking on the whole Ancestry database at once, but rather searching within a particular collection. All great ideas. And if you want to learn more, check out the course. We'll have that link again in the show notes. Thanks so much, Tyler. Thank you. Well, it's time to wrap up this August 2013 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. So let's check in with the publisher, Allison Dolan, see what's going on. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. You know, this episode topic has been kind of revolving around our 101 best websites for tracing your family history. And of course, that really revolves around tech and technology. And, and I know that the virtual conference is coming up. That would be a great place to learn about tech. Tell us what's going on this fall. Absolutely. The virtual conference is um, September 13th through 15th this year. And we have a whole track of tech-related sessions to help you get a grasp on the latest, greatest tools to use in your family history. You mentioned the 101 Best Websites. And one of the aspects to our 101 Best Websites list this year was how these sites are starting to develop apps that you can use on your various devices to help take advantage of the features of those sites. Well, um, one of our sessions at the virtual conference is really going to dive into some of those essential apps for genealogists. And in fact, you'll be presenting that one. (laughs) I was going to say, that sounds awfully familiar. Yes, that will be me. And, And we're doing these in a video format, which is what I think is so cool is that you have the community, we all get together on the weekend, but you get the video. So, you know, you can take it in the first time, but then have it to refer back to. Absolutely. I think a lot of times, especially when you're talking about how to use a tool online or on your computer, having that demonstration to really show you what steps to take or to have that website address right in front of your eyes um, really helps reinforce things. So being able to go back and watch them again as many times as you want, um, I think is a a really great advantage of our virtual conference. Yeah, I am excited. I've got some uh, very cool apps to talk about in that class. And what other kinds of tech topics, what do you hear most from the genealogists out there that are kind of their, their pressure points and things that they want to learn about? Well, we get a lot of requests for tech topics, and that's why you see so many um, things in the virtual conference in our magazine. And in fact, um, we have 15 different sessions in the virtual conference overall. And for this conference in the fall, we've expanded the tech track to be six sessions instead of five, like in the past, just because this has been so popular. And, you know, one topic that we tend to get a lot of questions about relates to photos and digital photography. And so, you know, it's 
really the nuts and bolts. Where do you find photos that relate to your family history? And then what do you do with them? How do you organize them? Uh, how do you store them? As well as simple things like um, what is DPI and resolution and all of that stuff. So um, we have a great session from Nancy Hendrickson, who's quite an authority on this topic, where she's going to walk through really how to find some great photos to enhance your family history research. Yeah. And I know one of the things that she's talked about here in the past is that idea that, you know, there's JPEGs and there's TIFFs and TIFFs are those higher end, more archival storage. But a JPEG, a lot of people don't realize when every time they make a change and resave it, they lose just a little bit of photo quality. And I think those are some of the kinds of things that Nancy really brings to the tables, making sure that not only are you getting them scanned, but you're doing it the right way and getting them stored in the right place. Absolutely. And the other great thing about the virtual conference is, you know, it's really a community of like-minded people. So you can use it as a sounding board. If you have questions about these kinds of things, there's going to be lots of other genealogists as well as our Family Tree University staff and our presenters on hand throughout the weekend where you can pick our brains and really find the answers to your questions, um, even if they're more specific than the course material itself. Yeah, it's that live interaction component that is so cool. How is, I know you've had a really active group the last couple of conferences. How has that gone? Do, do people kind of warm up and, and get over their shyness and, and jump in? Well, certainly some people are a little more shy and stay in the background during the uh, three days of the conference, but it is interesting to see how the conversation will start a little bit um, on the first day of the conference, and then as more and more people log on and we all introduce ourselves on the message board, it really gets active and exciting, and we have live chats, so people get that sort of real-time interaction during the course of the weekend. Um, It's really fabulous. It's actually my favorite part of the conference is all of the real-time interaction that I get to have with other attendees. And I feel like I make friends by the end of the weekend. Yeah. For for those of you who don't always have the opportunity to get to that big live conference, this is really a wonderful, wonderful alternative. And, And really, to me, it's even a step up from something like Facebook. You know, a lot of the genealogists are getting together on Facebook. But in this kind of an environment, it's really concentrated. And you know that everybody who's there, who's participating, has made a commitment to their genealogy. And that's what they're there for, to talk about. Um, always great conversation. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to not only uh, doing my session, but checking out the other ones as well. I always learn something, as I know everybody else does. So we'll have a link in the show notes. There's still time to get signed up for the fall virtual conference. And we look forward to seeing you all there. Thanks so much, Allison. Thank you. I hope to see you all in the conference. Thanks so much for joining me for this August 2013 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Here are a couple of action items for you until we meet here again next month. First, you'll want to be sure and check out David Frixell's 101 Best Websites article in the September 2013 issue of Family Tree Magazine. You are definitely going to want to dig into the sites that he's pulled together. And next, you'll want to go to familytreemagazine.com slash podcast. There you will find the show notes for this episode. And they will include information and website links for everything that we've covered on the show, including the specific websites that David mentioned, and more information on our Ancestry Power course, 
as well as all the details on the fall virtual conference. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I invite you to visit me at my website, genealogygems.com, where you can listen to my free podcast, the Genealogy Gems Podcast, which is also available free through iTunes. Until next time, have fun climbing your family tree.